It's no secret that evolutionary old age assumptions about the Earth dominate the scientific field and the classroom. But there was a time in history when this wasn't the case. What caused such a dramatic change? Stay tuned. The Enlightenment period was essentially a movement to overthrow a biblical worldview, which was the dominant worldview in all of Europe. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Many people today may not realize how fascinating the field of geology can be. Geologists are responsible for the exploration of important resources such as clean water, petroleum, and metals. But what happens when evolutionary-minded geologists who study rock layers date the Earth at billions of years old instead of the few thousand that it really is? And how did this idea of an old Earth get started in the first place? Go back in time with us for the next 15 minutes as we study the history of geology and discover how this science went from creation-based thinking to that of uniformitarian philosophy. Dr. Terry Mortensen is a geology historian and researcher with Answers in Genesis in Kentucky. He says all science started out as creation science. Modern science was born in the womb of Christianity, and Christianity gave the worldview assumptions for making modern science possible. And so for many years, people accepted the biblical view of history. Certainly the church did for 18 centuries. But it was in the late, mid to late 1700s and then early 1800s that men who were deists or atheists began to propose other theories of earth history in which they postulated untold ages, millions of years was clearly in the minds of some of them. But at what point in history did people get interested in geology? There have always been people all the way back to early times, close to the time of Christ, probably even before that, who would pick up fossils and wonder about them. Some of the early Christians believed that they were a testimony to the flood of Noah. In the uh, 15th and 16th centuries, there was quite a controversy about just what fossils were. and Some people were saying that they were kind of flukes of nature and that the rocks actually grew these different formations. Some people said they were deceptions of Satan. Some people denied that they were the former remains of former living things. And so there was quite a battle. However, as ICR geologist Bill Hoche tells us, in the mid-1600s, along came a creation scientist who contributed much to the field of geology. Nicholas Steno is a natural starting place for talking about the history of modern geology, really. He set down principles in mineralogy, paleontology, and especially stratigraphy, they're still used by all modern geologists today. Steno was a flood geologist, and he organized Earth history into uh, flood, pre-flood, and post-flood periods. He obviously was a young Earth uh, creationist, and his key insight was that fossils had an organic origin. But even with the work Nicholas Steno was doing, geology was only considered an amateur science during the 16 and 1700s. ICR geologist Dr. Andrew Snelling. People who were, they were naturalists, they picked up rocks, but they're often the clergy because the clergymen had the time and the clergymen were the ones who had the education. And so in their local areas, they'd go out and pick up rocks you know, for relaxation and they'd look at the rocks. And of course, they were studying the scriptures and preaching the scriptures. And so they naturally regarded the world as created by God. And when they saw the fossils, they recognized them as the remains of dead creatures. So 
So just when did geology become a professional science? Dr. Mortensen explains that the science of geology as we know it today didn't really develop until the early 19th century. Initially, it was just a hobby of wealthy men who had the time and the money to travel around and look at rock formations and collect fossils. It didn't become a profession where somebody got paid to be a geologist until uh, about the 1830s, and that's about the same time, 1840s, when you could begin to get a degree from the university in geology. So before that, you could take a, a course in geology or a course in mineralogy studying the, the minerals, but actual field of geology really developed in the early 19th century. We see how the field of geology started as a result of creation-minded individuals. However, today we find that evolutionary philosophy controls geology and all the other sciences as well. But just how and when did this happen? Bill Hoche says it all began with the Enlightenment period of the mid-1600s to the late 1700s, in which human reasoning replaced biblical authority. The Enlightenment period was essentially a movement to overthrow a biblical worldview, which was the dominant worldview in all of Europe, particularly northern Europe at that time. Enlightenment thinkers were philosophers, they were scientists, they were essentially a broad spectrum of intellectual thinkers who wanted to develop a new world, one that did not appeal to any biblical activity. They didn't want the idea of a God who was sovereign in earth history. And the key figure there is James Hutton, and he was a, a Scottish fellow, and he was a key part of the Enlightenment. Dr. Snelling tells us that it was James Hutton, considered by many to be the father of modern geology, who spearheaded the idea of slow and gradual geologic processes. He uh, did some field work. He went out to uh, the coast and he saw where there were rocks that were sticking up almost vertically that had been eroded off and then flat-lying rocks on top of them, similar to what we see in the Grand Canyon, what we call an unconformity. And he began to think about this and looked at present-day geological processes and began to assume, well, if things are slow and gradual today, they must have been slow and gradual in the past, therefore it must have taken a long time for these rock layers to be laid down, hardened, tilted, eroded off, and then more rock layers, sediment layers laid on top. And so he enunciated this principle of the uniformity of natural processes. And he wrote a book which was published in 1795 called A New Theory of the Earth, in which he said, I see no vestige of a beginning, I see no vestige of an end. Everything goes on and on as it always has been. You know, slow and gradual processes. Dr. Mortensen tells us that it was during this time period that the tide was turned against biblical creation science. A lot of it comes out of the assumptions of the Enlightenment that rejected the Bible as the inspired Word of God. These men who came up with this idea of millions of years were deists or atheists. They rejected the Bible as God's Word and they insisted that we needed to use what we call today naturalistic and uniformitarian assumptions, it was purely an arbitrary philosophical assumption, an anti-biblical assumption. And that's what people need to realize. They didn't do experiments, and they obviously weren't observers of all past history. They were simply making an assumption on the, uh, about the unobserved past based on their worldview that we must explain everything by natural processes that we see going on today. But people were greatly influenced by this new scientific philosophy. 
Bill Hoesch. This has a lot of appeal to people because, if you think about it, scientists in England, around the time of the Enlightenment, shortly after, they really wanted to quantify geology. You know, the other sciences like physics, mathematics, and, and the other fields in England at that time were really rushing forward. The Industrial Revolution was proving the effectiveness of empirical science, you see. I think a large part of their thinking went like this, you know, if only there was a way to quantify Earth history, a way to measure time, you see. And the way they did it was this method, this philosophical approach of projecting present rates into the past and assuming that there was never any flood, assuming there was never any catastrophic view. So I think it was the pride of man that wanted to make geology something that it ultimately really couldn't do. In other words, we all know that scientists cannot time travel. <laughs> uh, but people wanted to believe that geology could operate in this fashion. You know, to be able to pinpoint the age of this rock to be umpty up millions of years old is just simply very appealing. So James Hutton's idea about an old earth formed by slow and gradual geological processes changed the way people viewed the biblical account of creation. Sadly, his faulty scientific views were picked up and used by other scientists, including one who would become world-renowned. Later thinkers after Hutton, the key name following him was Charles Lyell. Lyell, of course, he popularized this. He was a good spokesman for this kind of a worldview. And his most famous disciple was none other than Charles Darwin. Darwin simply applied the gradualistic approach to history into the area of biology, which hadn't been done before. And he said, gosh, if species can change slowly and gradually, like we see in the Galapagos Islands, at least that's what he thought he saw, then doesn't this indicate that unlimited biologic change could happen? Well, his inspiration was a geologist named Charles Lyell. Lyell was inspired by Hutton, I think directly or indirectly, and Hutton was really a revival of Greek Aristotelianism. Hutton believed not just in an ancient earth, he said the earth was eternal. Some may wonder, where were all the Christians during the Enlightenment period, and why didn't they stand up for the truth? Dr. Mortensen tells us that many Christians at this time were deceived and actually helped propagate the idea that the earth was millions of years old. And the sad thing was that some of the people who really influenced this were also professing Christians. And in Britain, they were even ordained clergymen, such as William Buckland, who was the geologist at Oxford University, and Adam Sedgwick, the geologist at Cambridge University. They were both Anglican clergymen. So when they spoke about millions of years, and when they spoke about there not being any conflict between the Bible and old earth geology, many Christians just took it as fact because their clergy and their university professors at our most prestigious universities and their sincere men and their good Christian men, so it must be true. And they never opened their Bible to really check it. We see the same thing happening in today's culture. So what can be done to help Christians understand the truth of creation? We've got to lovingly challenge Christians to read what the Bible actually says and then to get to creationist literature that ICR and Answers in Genesis and other local creation groups have available books and DVDs to see that true science actually confirms what the Bible says. It does not confirm millions of years or Darwinian evolution. That applies to reaching out to Christians in the church, but it also applies to reaching out to those who 
have no connection to the church and who don't know the gospel and don't believe the gospel. Dr. Snelling would agree and says once a person accepts Christ as Savior, it's easier to understand what the Bible says about creation. God promises if we accept his offer of salvation through Jesus Christ, his son who came to die for us and rose again so he could offer us eternal life, pay the penalty for our sin and has prepared for us a home in heaven. The alternative, if people are stubborn and refuse, is they're going to have to experience God's judgment. And it's unpopular to say it, but God says there's a place called hell where there'll be eternal punishment. I pray that you'll bow the knee to God because I can personally testify that it's so fulfilling having God walk with you through life and his Holy Spirit opens your mind to see the wonders of his creation and as a geologist all the evidence in God's world that agrees with God's word. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.